The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome, everybody, to Sister Power Happy Hour. I am Rachel Schroeder. I am a member of the uh, ACB Women's Committee. I'm very happy to be. Um, We have a great committee um, chaired by Linda Perrell and Lori Scharf. Um, Sister Power Happy Hour is one of my favorite parts of convention. Um, It gives us an opportunity to meet some dynamic women of this organization and some women who encourage, inspire, and give us great stories, let us know a little bit more about themselves. And today is no exception. We are very happy to have two women of this organization that I think I could speak for many people in saying that if our hand, if the hands of ACV are in the hands of these two ladies uh, in the future, we are in good hands um, because they are very involved. We have Melanie Altsanui and Maria Christic. Uh, Christic. Christich, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, Maria. If I'm not, I apologize. You are. Thanks, Rachel. <laughs> it took me three tries, but... <laughs> <laughs> we got there. It's all good. <laughs> and um, I work with Melanie on uh, the ACB Media Committee, but I don't know a lot about her, and I don't know a lot about Maria either. So I, along with you, am really looking forward to this presentation. So what we'll do is we will uh, let these ladies speak uh, for about 25 minutes, and then we will have some time for questions at the end. So um, I'd like to first introduce Melanie Altsanui. And Melanie has been involved in ACB since the 1990s in Texas, uh, West Virginia, California, and Arizona. She has uh, was elected as the a director for ACB of Texas at age 19. She started early. <laughs> and uh, she was the 2025 DKM first-timers uh, winner for the West. Um, she resides in Phoenix and is president of both the Arizona Council of the Blind and the Central Arizona Chapter. She chairs or co-chairs the Convention Committee for the Arizona Council of the Blind and uh, CCLVI, rather, and ACB Next Generation. She's secretary and Publications Chair of CCLVI, Second Vice President of ACB Next Generation, and a member of the DKM uh, Employment and ACB Media Support Committees. A lot of uh, accolades there for sure. Uh, Melanie holds a BA in Journalism and PR and an MS in project management. Um, she works for she worked for Verizon Wireless for 14 years and is now a senior process engineer at Wells Fargo. 
So she also lives with her husband, enjoys cooking and traveling and wine tasting in California and spending time with the family. So I'm going to turn it over to Melanie. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you, Rachel. So Rachel just said everything I was going to say. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no, no. You get to elaborate. Um, Oh, I'm excited. Um, I want to thank ACB Women um, for the honor of speaking today. Uh, The call very much came out of the blue um, from someone who is very, very close to me and has been, has watched me since I was 19, 18, somewhere in there. Um, (laughs) So my name is Melanie Sanoe. Um, I'm pleased to be able to share my story with you today. Um, It was very, oh, let me also share in my cup because it's happy hour is a glass of Sangiovese because I do love my wine tasting, (laughs) Uh, but I'll wait to drink it till Maria starts. (laughs) Um, It was very interesting when I was trying to decide what to talk about. Was I just going to kind of go through from the beginning to the end or to to current? I found a pattern. Um, And I think that pattern is something that I unintentionally try to tell people, share with people. But what I noticed in every piece of this story is there was somebody or there were many people who were a support system. I did absolutely none of this alone. Um, I may have had the gumption to do it. I may have had the drive, um, but there was always a support system to ask for help, to give guidance, to to just be a cheerleader. Um, and a lot of them have been around my entire life. Many have been around since I was a teenager and some are new. Um, but that was absolutely this pattern that I found when I was going through every piece of my story. So just to give you a little bit of background, uh, I'm from California originally, and I was born with a uh, retinal disease called, called achromatopsia. Um, so my cones do not work. Um, I do not have any color vision. Um, my best acuity is 2200, uh, and that's in good lighting. It can be all the way down to nothing, just entirely depending on the lighting. Um, my depth perception is, well, we'll just say steps are not my friend. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and very lucky that it's very uh, stable. So until I hit 40, a couple, oh God, a month ago, um, it was very stable. And then evidently when you hit 40, everything starts breaking. <laughs> So um, I started out, uh, my mom knew, my mom and dad knew something was wrong. Um, I was, didn't want to go out and play during the day. Um, I wouldn't go out and play till after the sun went down. My mom had a Trans Am and she had the door open in front of the, in front of the house. And she said, go wide around the door. And I did. And then I hit the tree. And that was when mom was like, yeah, something's, something's wrong. So she quit her job. And she spent all the time in the world taking me to doctor after doctor after doctor, trying to figure out what was going on while my dad worked to be able to support us. She, um, we went to the Jules Stein Eye Institute at UCLA. We went to UC Berkeley. We went to, I mean, you name it, just, we've all got that story, right? Uh, We finally uh, had a diagnosis when I was, uh, I think, four. Turned out to be wrong. Um, It was the degenerative version of what I have. Uh, and then at UCLA, they diagnosed me and we went from there. I was very lucky in that my parents are, they just don't take no for an answer. 
Uh, and so they were always in my corner. The goal was always to be mainstreamed, to make sure I had the resources that I needed, to make sure that I knew from a very early age how to say, I need help, uh, or how to say, I can't see that. It's okay. It, and to make sure that that was a part of my daily vocabulary when necessary. Uh, so advocating started from a very, very early age. I sat in on every IEP meeting and every ARD meeting, depending on what state you're in, to make sure I was a part of the process, that I understood the process, um, and that I had a voice in the process. And if you know me, you know that uh, that voice has never stopped. So we moved to Texas uh, when I was in 10, when I I was 10 and uh, we got involved uh, from the schools with the Texas Commission for the Blind back then. And we got involved with the Fort Worth chapter of ACB. Um, we were new to the state, a whole new, you know, everything. Um, so mom and dad were looking for resources. So I've been going to ACB meetings since I was 10 and it all started in Fort Worth uh, and go discover, you know, Austin or Houston or San Antonio or wherever. And uh, that started when I was 16. And that was when I swear I'm not going to get emotional. Uh, that's when, that's when I met Doc and that's it. And so Doc was such a huge part of my family that got me to where I am today. And him and Linda, Bob and Victoria, Michael Garrett, and Don Pomerantz, and these are the core of my ACB family. And they have watched me make mistakes. <laughs> they have given me advice. They have been my cheerleaders. Um, and they are why this is such an important part of my life. So, okay, we'll get off the emotions. <laughs> I went to school to North Texas. Um, I tried at that time to get um, a student chapter. Oh God, what were we called back then? I don't remember. <laughs> Terry would know. But pre-ACB students um, to get them off the ground in Texas. That was, um, but we we had a, a little community. Um, whether we ended up, you know, affiliating. Or or not, we had a community that we all went kind of through college with. Um, I was elected to the board at 19. And when I, um, uh, in 2005, I had the outest to represent Texas and um, that changed everything. So back in that time, right, we didn't have Zoom. We didn't, you know, we were on conference calls. It, 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 we were in person. Um, and so being able to go to Las Vegas and go to that people whose names were in lights to me right at that age. Um, was just mesmerizing and to watch the the goings on and the parliamentary procedure at a whole nother level um, just made me want to do more. Uh, so I graduated college. I went to West Virginia and got involved with the Mountain State Council there. Um, it was I got a job as an editor of the newspaper Orange County uh, chapter. And that's when my career took off. So I started working at Verizon as a customer service rep and worked my into um uh, executive relations. So our executive complaints and our, um, uh, what do you call it? Our um, agency complaints. And I uh, then started going into process engineering, which is what I do now. But Verizon, now I'm in corporate America, right? A huge Fortune 15 company. And I still have to learn to ask for help. I still have to be okay asking for help. I still have to have those people in my corner and developing those relationships. None of this would have happened. And I wouldn't have the voice that I have if I don't think if it hadn't started from such an early age with that support system. And that got me far. It got me very far for 14 years. And then um, at the same time, I transferred out here to Phoenix 
I met John McCann on an ACB Next Generation call and he said, oh, well, I'm going to put you to work. And if you know John, you know what that meant. (laughs) So the rest of that is history. But again, I, I texted John last night and I said, hey, I need your advice. And I think it's it's just another moment where you need somebody to, to be a sounding board or you need somebody to ask for help or you need somebody for advice. It's just this thread that I will, I, I just will not not do. Um, and I've gotten very comfortable with it. And I know a lot of people are not comfortable with admitting they don't know something or that they need help. I think I'm too type A and too efficient of a person that I need to get it off my list. I need to get it done. So I'm going to go ask for help and I'm going to go get it done. Um, And then I'm going to learn something. And then hopefully through that, I can then impart that knowledge and be that person to somebody else. And that's kind of where Next Gen falls into this. So getting involved with ACB Next Generation, I'm on the the high, well, no, I'm 40 now. Okay, there's that. Um, But that doesn't mean I'm not Um, you know, I can't be involved. Our supporting members are very involved. But that gives me the opportunity to now give back. So now there's this paradigm shift where I get to still grow, but at the same time, I then get to give back. I get to say, this is where I've been. This is what I've done. This is what didn't work for me. This is what did. And so it's been a very interesting um, shift in, in age, in chapters, in in my journey in ACB to, to now be the one giving back while still growing. Um, you obviously heard my laundry list um, of <laughs> um, I, my to-do list, uh, laundry list of committees, which I love. I love all the people I get to work with. I love the impact I get to make. Um, I, get to, I love when I get to learn and I love being able to teach. And every single one of these meetings one of those things happen, if not more. And so I just, I just couldn't have done it if from the beginning and consistently, I didn't have that support, um, that mentor, that cheerleader, that advocate, that question maker, the person that makes you go, hmm, okay, right? The self-discovery, all, all, all of those people play some of the same roles and some of the different in, in some different roles and at different times. And I think it's just so important that we recognize that, that we honor them, that we hold them close and dear and that we use them. And then we give, we, we give that back. We switch it. And I think that's how the shift happens where the young members now become the older members and we start bringing in the younger ones. It's, it's been a very interesting shift, but I just can't say that enough. Uh, none of this would have happened without that support system um, and the learning and the teaching and the growing and the giving. Thanks, Rachel. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, that, uh, you know, you make me feel better. You got emotional during your presentation. I did the same thing three years ago as well. <laughs> so, um you know, but uh, our love for ACB and what we do and, and, you know, the journey that we all go is, you know, so close and, and to be able to share that is a pretty special thing. And, and uh, that's why I like Sister Power so much and, and being able to share with uh, other ACB women. So thank you so much. Um, thank you. 
And I have to say, I have the pleasure of working with Melanie on the ACB Media Support Committee. And and uh, she's a hard worker and just, just a pleasure to work with. And um, I look forward to uh, working with her more and getting to know her even better as we go through. So, all right. Um, next, uh, we want to hear from Maria Kristen. I got it right this time, I think. She's from Albany, New York. And unfortunately, I have not had an opportunity to really work with Maria a lot, but I hope to change that. Um, Maria is a senior financial analyst for the Dormitory Authority of the state of New York. And she's originally from Bosnia and has been totally blind since birth. She's been a member of ACB since 2016 and holds various leadership roles in the special interest affiliates and nationally as well, uh, including treasurer of GDUI, uh, blind LGBT pride international and ACB Next Generation and chair of the International Relations Committee. Uh, she lives with her working retired leader dog and uh, both of them are chocolate labs. How sweet. So I will turn it now over to Maria. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rachel, and to the Women's Committee for the invite, which, uh, as, as with the case of Mel as well, uh, definitely came as a surprise when uh, Lori extended the invite. So I'm very honored and humbled that uh, you think I have something <laughs> uh, worthy to to share. And um, I, will, I will now have to follow the great uh, uh, speech that uh, Mel just gave. So I will, I'll try my best. So uh, why don't we why don't we start just with a little bit before I actually start talking because I have a few takeaways as I'm going to be going along but you know here's one that you can just uh, experience a bit so um, why don't we just all take a couple of nice deep breaths so let's just let's breathe in and I'm saying I'm thinking belly breaths the full breath in. And we'll exhale. Let's do that one more time. Let's breathe in. And exhale. And just be here. There's nothing else that you have to do right now. Just to be here now. And... Did you have any thoughts while while you were doing that? Were you like, why why is she making me do this? I was here to listen to her and not to have to do anything for a little while. <laughs> it's interesting that you have some thoughts, right? And you can uh, substitute those with with some different thoughts, right? They're just thoughts, and there's there's a witness behind those thoughts. And you just took a little pause there, and. You know, imagine if you're just able to take a little pause there when your emotions are running higher or in just some moment of life that might seem like a challenge or some kind of a joyful moment. You know, what what might emerge, uh, you know, discernment about the situation, um, clarity and the ability to to make better decisions that are in line with what serves you and with your inner knowing and, and how you're able to best contribute your talents to the world. So 
taking that pause is definitely a takeaway that I have come to uh, embrace and to, to realize and that has helped me. And so I figured while a lot of these other items I can just uh, talk to you about, I figured that's one that you can experience a bit. So with, um, with that, um, you know, if I, I was thinking what, what, what could I say is kind of the overarching theme of, of my story. And certainly I can resonate with what Mel said about having that support system. And I will get to examples of that down the line. Um, but, you know, I think my overall uh, theme here is, you know, that we're here in, in this life to, um, of course, to contribute in some specific meaningful way. But, you know, at a foundational level that we are on a journey to learn and to evolve and to grow and that we also have an inner reservoir of strength and peace within ourselves, that we're stronger than we think. And, you know, that we might as well enjoy the journey. So those have, I think, been the three overarching themes. So hopefully you will see those as I go through and I will, uh, at the end of giving you a brief overview of my story, I will uh, talk about a few more takeaways that I have uh, found upon reflection that I hope will be of use to you as well on your journeys. So as Rachel uh, said, I was born in Bosnia and I'm totally blind from retinopathy of prematurity. And the strength of my family really was such an impact even before I was able to appreciate it, even when I was so young and just from my birth, because in my case, my grandmother on my father's side, she noticed that I wasn't tracking items with my eyes as babies tend to do. Like if you put a red cloth in front of them and they follow it, well, I wasn't following it and various other types of things in that vein of not tracking. And when she called the hospital, they basically said, go away. She's fine. She's just premature. Nothing's wrong. Goodbye. And she uh, wasn't about to take that for an answer. She had that inner knowing that something was not right. And so that began my parents' journey to various doctors, um, went to a doctor in the Netherlands who diagnosed me with ROP. And, you know, my parents knew nothing about blindness. And uh, so for about those first uh, nearly five years that I lived in uh, Bosnia and I was born in uh, Sarajevo. And so I lived uh, about 15 miles from there. Um, you know, my parents, we'd come to US uh, four prior times for me to have various surgeries in Boston. And then we weren't able to come for a couple of years. So just for some context, I was born in 1989 and from 1991 to 1995, there was uh, a, a war in Bosnia, an ethnic conflict. And so I was, uh, we weren't able to come for a couple of years from 91 to 93 uh, because of that. And so the fifth time that we came to the States, my brother came that time too, uh, fortunately, but my parents weren't even planning on us staying. They had the ticket to come back and it was a checkup for the surgeries. Uh, and uh, when the doctor told them that essentially the, you know, stress of the war, because they had said to my parents, make sure she's, you know, not under a lot of stress. And my parents were kind of looking at each other like, well, our country's in the middle of the war and we're stressed out, but okay, we'll, we'll try. Um, but when they found out uh, from this doctor that basically the results of the surgery uh, had gotten reversed because of that. Um, they had uh, someone that we were staying with said, you know, you might want to think about before you go back uh, what her life is going to be like in Bosnia and your country is rebuilding from war and just realistically the resources. Uh, you might perhaps want to think about staying here. 
And I am just so eternally grateful to my parents for that enormous, enormous sacrifice that they made to leave the life that they had. And they had a good life. They had good jobs, friends, family, to leave all of that behind, to start over in a place where they didn't even know the language. My parents were in their mid-40s at the time. And to do that, for me to I'm going to get emotional too. Um, To be able to have a a chance at a meaningful life, that has served as one of just the greatest motivators for me, that they did not come here for me to at least not give it my best try. Um, And, you know, my my brother too, you know, it it wasn't easy, Um, you know, needing more time and money and attention and such with my blindness. And he's older than me by a couple of years, but having to, you know, kind of play second fiddle, if you will, at some point. not easy as well. Um, so, you know, that, uh, that strength of, of my family, um, definitely really just has carried me through. Um, you know, when we first came here, we had a lot of hardships. We ended up staying for a few months, um, with a, a working, I guess I can say it's working. My parents didn't get paid. We stayed with a family that treated us very badly, um, and exploited us and we weren't allowed to have visitors. I wouldn't, the volume at which I'm speaking to you, if I spoke much louder, that wouldn't have been allowed. Um, it just really was not a good situation. And, um, just watching my parents, my mom had gotten addicted to prescription medication because that was her escape from this terrible situation. And, you know, watching her have the, the motivation to just quit cold turkey and, um, just, you know, um, getting through that. I mean, through, I believe, you know, divine grace, um, we were able to get out of that through just, um, having, uh, connections with the, with, when we started school, um, that, uh, people at the school, you know, teachers came to visit us when they technically shouldn't have, you know, under the, the rules of these people who we were staying at. And they got a lot of flack for that, but they, they knew it was right. And then, you know, school officials connected us with some people who spoke Croatian. Um, and they helped us, you know, literally escape and to come to the, you know, a house and, um, you know, just really watching the strength of, of my parents, um, you know, making a, a, you know, house that we could live in, starting from scratch, not having steady jobs. And, you know, it's when, when you do the work and you know what needs to get done and you focus on just the, performing your actions, as the Bhagavad Gita says, performing your actions and not worrying about the fruits of those results, uh, you will be surprised at what the, uh, what the universe uh, will provide you and will make happen for you. Um, so, you know, my parents, um, they, again, just their, their strength and what they had to um, uh, help me with, you know, sometimes in school, I was the first blind student in my school and I really didn't have a lot of idea of what to do with me. Um, so there were definitely times when my parents stepped in to read, you know, content to me that wasn't accessible, like a chemistry book, or the school wouldn't purchase up-to-date assistive technology. So, you know, my parents found ways through through their work to be able to get a loan to purchase, um, you know, equipment for me. Um, and my teachers as well, you know, I had teachers that were such role models. I had a teacher, the visually impaired, who was low vision. And so that was just huge for me 
huge to have a role model, right? Someone who's talking the talk and living it to know that I could live a satisfying and full life because I was seeing her do it. I had a Braillist. I was so blessed to learn Braille from my teacher for the visually impaired. And, you know, these teachers who just really, and guidance counselors who believed in me. I mean, I had, there were some school administrators who didn't even think I needed to learn how to type. And my Braillist took it upon herself to teach me how to type. And, um, you know, I had teachers, you know, put, uh, putting, you know, with, with taking a screwdriver and drawing a, a diagram of something on the back of a piece of paper. I mean, I'm just so blessed that I had these people. I could not have done it without them because, you know, there was, the establishment, even like the Commission for the Blind. I had a rehab counselor who was like, maybe, you know, you don't want to take some of these advanced classes. You know, you might not be able to do it. And, you know, I had these other people who lifted me up and who, you know, spoke, you know, truthfully and accurately and who knew me more than this rehab counselor knew me, who I could say, no, these people believe in me. You don't really, you know, thinking to myself, this other person doesn't know anything about me. And so that really, um, all of this support just really, um, allowed me to to excel um and so I was able to um I really I was blessed to have a gift of uh being you know pretty adept at learning technology and so um just uh I, I didn't have my first computer until I was uh, 16 and uh I'd had a braille note for a couple of years before that so that was really like at 14 was the time when I started going on the internet independently and such so um and I started meeting you know blind people online and, and learning about some of these alternative techniques of blindness and such so um, you know, after high school, I went to college. I did a lot of research. Um, definitely one of my, you know, takeaways is hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst, um, as has been uh, said. And, and, um, you know, I, I researched colleges in terms of disability services and I figured I was going to major in computer science because I liked the technology and I felt I had a knack for it. But, um, you know, decided not to do that. I changed majors in the second semester of my junior year because I was finding it between inaccessible software and unaccommodating professors and assignments that I couldn't verify on my own, that this probably wasn't the best place for me to contribute my talents. And I had enjoyed economics in high school and it still gave me a chance to work with numbers and such, which I enjoyed. And so I decided to switch my major and um, finished that. I did end up having to take some summer classes but um, definitely got through that and, and had some really great professors and um, disability services. And I was able because of, you know, going back to doing work and, you know, the universe just making things happen for you. You know, my parents, they went from being, um, you know, a sociology teacher and a surveyor to cleaning dormitories and painting buildings at a, at, a, at a college. But because that college participated in a pooled scholarship for families of college employees, and I went to a college that participated in that program, I was able to attend uh, college for free, which I was just so blessed to be able to do that. In college, I also got to hang out with some guide dogs. Um, I, my teacher, the visually impaired, had had, uh, had had guide dogs, and I saw them at you know work, but didn't really get a chance to meet dogs. And then I finally got to meet some and hang out with them in college uh, when they were out of harness. And I was like, this is so much fun. I love them. I want a dog. And so a week after I had you know done her service, and um, about guide dog schools and then just really kind of trusted my, you know, my inner, inner, inner knowing after, you know, talking to them and just contemplating and thinking about it and just thinking about which one really just intuitively spoke to me. And um, 
week after graduating college, I was at Leader Dog to get my first guide dog, my Lacey, who is my retired um, dog who lives with me now too. At Leader Dog, I got to speak with different uh, you know, graduates and some board members who were there. And I wasn't quite sure, you know, which direction I wanted to take the economics degree and um, felt that I wanted to do something more applied. I wasn't sure, you know, initially I was thinking like PhD in economics and I was like, maybe an MBA, I'm not sure. And as I was speaking with uh, one of the board members is a corporate lawyer. And he said, you know, you might want to think about a JD MBA. You can really add some value. You can focus both in, in finance and in, on the MBA side and business on the legal side. And, you know, in, as, as being you know blind, you want to like stand out. And, and initially I was just thinking to myself, like, no way am I going to law school? And uh, then I came home and uh, really started thinking about it. And, you know, decided it was something worth pursuing. And so researching grad schools, again, disability services. And um, I was the first, uh, I wasn't the first blind student in, in my uh, undergrad, uh, but I was in the MBA portion of my grad school. So um, I, uh, that all of those advocacy, you know, lessons that I had learned from being the first blind student and uh elementary through high school just served me really, really well when I got to, uh, you know, college and beyond. So I'm, I'm grateful for the lessons I've, I learned from there. Um, so I, after I finished my uh, JD MBA and again, just like doing the work and not, you know, focusing so much on the results. <laughs> I, uh, one of my professors, actually, I had, you know, taken some, uh, done some internships and um, which I had gotten through my, the career portal in uh, for my, for my graduate school um, on the business side. And one of my law professors uh, just out of the blue asked me if I was interested in community development. I, you know, didn't quite know what he was referring to, but I told him about my internships and he was like, oh, I think you'd be a good fit for the dormitory authority for DASNY, where I'm on the board. And I was like, what's DASNY? <laughs> and uh, one thing led to another with just that conversation. You know, he liked my work and um, I was very blessed that he, you know, went to bat for me and talked to the CEO and uh, the CFO and just various, you know, managing directors. And um, after having you know, several, you know, interviews, I got the position that I, uh, that I have now. And um, so I've been there for six years. And, um, you know, something that I've really learned is to have this attitude that a challenge is, again, it's an opportunity to learn. Um, you know, I'm now uh, assisting with some uh, projects outside of what I was you know, doing when I first started. And, um, you know, initially it was like, what, I don't know, you know, I'm going to need some help, you know, going to, to what Mel was saying about being hesitant to ask for help. Um, you know, and as, as I reframed it and reconsidered it and thought, well, you know, I'm going to learn some transferable skills with these new projects. And, you know, I'm, I'm not less of a person for needing to ask for help. And I'm sure all these other people need to ask for help for things as well. And I'm going to be able to help someone with something down the line. It's kind of like a web of interdependence. You know, I have been able to, um, you know, kind of cultivate a little bit of like a, a playfulness, <laughs> like a, like a sense of adventure, like, okay, let's see what, what I get to learn from this. Um, so in terms of, you know, that's where I am now in terms of professional, in terms of getting involved with ACB, that actually happened, as Rachel was saying, in 2016, um, after I finished grad school. And I was really looking to 
connect a bit with um, more blind people and, uh, you know, really also just because it goes both ways to, you know, that, that dreaded question when you're looking for a job, well, what have you been doing, right? And you can't just say, I was looking for a job. And so uh, looking to be able to use some of my skills um, that I had acquired, especially in the finance side, and I'd been treasurer for a club in um, undergrad. And uh, so I thought, well, maybe I can, you know, contribute in some way with, you know, finance uh, to, to, you know, a group that I, a cause that I care about. And that was my, my first uh, entry into ACB was through GDUI, through Guide Dog Users, because having a dog was something that was one of the best decisions I've ever taken. It was something I was very passionate about. So, um, you know, and, and again, doing the work and just the universe will provide um, one of the, uh, so I'm also involved in the New York affiliate, uh, Guide Dog Users of New York, and the president of that was kind enough to be one of my references for my job application when I was going through the uh, application and interview process at DASNY. Um, so, you know, really just being authentic and being yourself and, and doing the work, um, really you will be surprised at what opportunities uh, will come your way. So, you know, just some takeaways um, from, from this. Uh, again, life, as, as um, one of the, as a spiritual teacher that I study with, says, life doesn't happen to you, it happens for you. And the universe isn't a vending machine. So what we get happening to us is based on, on you know, our past actions and what we need to evolve and to learn. So really trying to, you know, as much as I cannot have that kind of like victim mindset, the, you know, why me? Maybe I, I certainly have had time when I've started to have that. And then to be able to take that pause, right? Like we did in the beginning and, and, you know, shift my attitude and my way of thinking of what, what am I supposed to get out of this? Um, so, you know, from, from moment to moment, right? We have a choice we, of how we can, how we can act and how we can think and how we can be and we can, you know, have that align with our, you know, core values and our unique talents and, and propensities. Um, and, you know, certainly um, figuring out what that means for me um, in terms of my purpose and, and what I'm, you know, meant to do here uh, has really, you know, helped me to have motivation to to continue um, with with the work both in you know professional and in um, ACB um, as I mentioned you know focusing on the work and not focusing so much on the results right being a certain way can definitely be hard to do and I and that doesn't mean you know being blase about it like I said and, and not doing anything but just having that that anchor right as I mentioned at the beginning just that inner strength that inner knowingness that we have and that no matter what happens we are okay um as uh as i mentioned and this ties in as i said to what mel was saying about help you know valuing ourselves right and knowing that we have self-worth and that asking for help doesn't make us less of a person um having compassion um for myself and for others is certainly something that has um, helped me to, you know, in that pause, kind of just soften my my feelings. And that even means for myself, right? When I, I've definitely made so many mistakes <laughs> in this journey and I know I'm going to make some more. <laughs> and uh, to, you know, just have some, some understanding and kindness to myself that it is a journey and I'm learning and I can't change what just happened, but I can change what I'm going to be able to do about it moving forward. 
if I can, I can work toward that change. But if I've, you know, discerned and thought about it and I, I really can't, then, you know, working toward acceptance of, of what is. Um, again, just the importance of having, you know, good company and surrounding um, myself with people who, you know, really showed me, you know, my myself and who I was and um, made me more self-aware and helped me to grow and who have uplifted me and brought me peace of mind has just been so important. And having that, you know, attitude of, of, of gratitude um, that rhymes and that was not intentional, but, you know, just being, I, I can even say, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful for blindness that it's allowed me to be on this journey where I'm able to have this unique perspective that I'm able to share with others, um, you know, whether that's just maybe being able to pick up on something from someone's tone or just being a little less distracted by all that like visual stimulation, you know, out there. And, and, um, and again, this isn't saying that, you know, anything, one is better than the other or anything at all. I'm just saying, you know, from, from my perspective um, and just some of these, these challenges that have just made me such a stronger person and, and Hey, I get to come with my guide dog to work. That's so much fun. So um just, you know, cultivating that attitude of like, even when things aren't going the best that, you know, the way I'd like, what can I be grateful for in a certain situation? It's really helped me. Um, finding balance, uh, you know, as Rachel said, I've, I've uh, gotten quite a few uh, roles in ACB, just again, by kind of just doing what needs to be done and, you know, people finding out that I can you know, be a treasure, which isn't something that people jump up and down for. So I get approached to do that or, you know, expressing interest in a committee and then someone asking me to join and, you know, just kind of one thing leads to another. But balance is also important. I've definitely learned to say no to certain things because self-care and just having that balance between, you know, work or volunteering and, you know, and pleasure um, is just really, really important. Make an appointment with yourself. As, as um the, the the spiritual teacher that I study with says, um, and um just you know I don't have to tell all of you the power of service. You know we're all of us are volunteering with ACB and just how that really helps ourselves as well to be able to give to others um, and give back as as Mel said as well. Um, and you know just finally like just being a little playful about life you know there's so much seriousness going on and and that's important and it's important to you know do our best and, and be prepared and such but just to like to have a little lightness you know like the world isn't going to end usually <laughs> if, if something doesn't work out the way we'd like and you know each day is a new day no matter what's going on, you know, the sun is still rising, the birds are still singing, you know, the plants are still unfolding, right? There's some wonder, there's some awe in this world. So just, you know, be, be serious about what you have to do, but just don't take it all so seriously. Be able to find those moments of, of joy. So I... You know, really um, hope that, you know, certainly, as, as I said, and my, you know, my parents and all role models have given me strength, my, um, my, the Hindu tradition that I have discovered um, and embraced has been a pillar of strength for me as well, um, in terms of giving me a wider perspective 
um, in which I can ground myself, my place in this world and perspective of time and, and just different attitudes towards life and some of these practices that I have talked about, the, um, you know, witnessing and, and breath work and just some, uh, you know, meditation practices and such that I have to, to turn inward to that inner knowingness. So I really hope that you all find what motivates you. I hope that you uh, are able to cultivate your sense of inner strength. And I really um, I hope you're able to find some moments of playfulness in life. And I wish all of you the very best on your journeys. And thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you, Maria. Wow. <laughs> I don't know about you all, but uh, makes me hearing the two of you speak today just makes me want to go conquer the world even more. I love it. Um, I love the energy. I love the enthusiasm and and I love your stories. And um, as I said, if if uh, you two are any indication, ACB is in good hands for the future. And I love that. And uh, all right. Well, we have some time for questions. Uh, before we get into that, I want to also thank the two J's, Jeanette and Janelle. Jeanette for being our Zoom host and Janelle for streaming for us today. So I'm going to turn it over to Jeanette and she can tell you uh, what you need to do for questions. Viola, you may unmute. Thank you, Jeanette, and thank you for pronouncing it correctly. Um, Maria, I met Maria three years ago at, she and I were part of a group starting, and I won't mention it because there are some negative things I have to say about it without saying it. The group did not embrace me the way I wish they had. I'm not sure why, but they didn't, and Maria was always there for me and always answered me and texted me back. And, uh, and I'm telling you, we, I feel like I've found a friend in Maria and you're just amazing. Um, you make me tired because I don't have that much energy, but I, I hope that, that you get everything you want in life. I think you're just awesome. I also have ROP but I'm about 30 years older than you are. So um, unfortunately it's still around, I guess. Um, so thank you very much for that great presentation and uh, hope we can stay friends. Oh, Viola, thank you so much. <laughs> yes, you're awesome. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, thank you for, for what you have done as well. Um, I, I know that that wasn't you know, easy a few years back and I'm, I'm really glad that we've been able to Stay connected and uh, keep on carrying on. You know, that was something happened, this setback, but, you know, you learn from it and your self-worth isn't uh, defined by what some of those, you know, people, what different people may or may not think of you. So uh, you've, you've got, um, you know, the inner strength within you too. And so keep on carrying on. <laughs> Linda Yaks. Hi, Maria and Melanie. First of all, Melanie. Um, after she read all of the things you've done, I needed a little nap, uh, but I didn't take one. So I got to hear what you had to say. I got tired just hearing all the things you guys have done. Maria, I have one quick question. Where did you go to college? I don't think you mentioned it. 
Right, I didn't. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I went to, for my undergrad. I went to Western New England University, which is in Springfield, Massachusetts. And then for my grad school, where I did my uh, JD MBA, I went to the University at Buffalo. Thank you. Yeah, and you guys you. are wonderful. And thank you for speaking with us today. Debbie Hazelton. Hello. Hi there. Um, gosh, well, first, uh, Rachel, it's great to be here with you um, facilitating in the spirit of uh, woman power. And uh, Maria, um, I got to know you so much better. I've, you know, heard you in various, various um, events. And, you know, you've always been upbeat. And I, age is just a number when you get to be up in the higher age numbers, you're going to still have the energy that you have. I love your spirit. I got to know you so much better today. And I appreciate that so much. And Melanie, I get to be one of your newer friends. And I'm happy <laughs> about that. And I can't wait to hug you in Schomburg and hang out. And I, you were such a bright spot for me in my previous role. And I'm very glad that you're on the ACB Media committee so excellent and um, i just love you so much so thank you both thank you all three very much and thank you debbie i, I listened to uh, your story in preparation for i wanted to see how these uh these work sister <laughs> power and i was like i was seeing who was speaking and i'm like oh it's debbie i'll have a good uh idea of what i'm supposed to be doing so uh, i got to know you through that as well so thank you oh it's very <laughs> sweet thank you I Hi, this is Lori. I want to thank uh, both of you for speaking today. Fabulous. I knew both of you would be great. I feel like I spent my whole day with you, Melanie, yes. in your <laughs> in your earlier sessions. It was like, oh, if we were in convention, we could walk from room to room together. Um, so, and Maria, fabulous. I uh, great to getting to know about you and and uh, hearing about your journey. And as somebody who's worked with asylees and refugees, I commend your family. <laughs> thank oh, you. Oh, thank you, Lori. Yes. <clears throat> I wanted to ask both of you, as I've been around a little longer, <laughs> um, how do we get a younger people like you involved in the different affiliates and special interest affiliates. I know both of you are very active, but what made you get involved? Did uh, people approach you? Um, did you think things sounded interesting? And um, how did people get you to get involved? I, uh, I was nosy. <laughs> <laughs> I was young. I mean, super young, right? And I kept, you know, we would go to convention, we would go to board meetings, and we'd hear, you know, calling the question and point of order. And I'm like, what is all this stuff, right? So I'm 16, I buy Robert's Rules of Order, because I'm just nosy as all get out. And I want to know what is happening and why it's happening. And I'm surrounded by people that are teaching me it. So a lot of it was just being inquisitive. And then those are the people that kept me here. And those are, you know, that's part of why I joined NextGen, was the people I wanted community. Um, CCLVI gives me a, a community, Arizona, everybody gives me a different community. Um, and really it's the people that, that, that drive me honestly. And then I think what happens at that point is you then bring people in. 
right? You're excited, you're passionate, and you're like, oh my God, come with me. Um, <laughs> now that's a little more difficult when, you know, like I, I, I don't, I didn't have a lot of blind and visually impaired friends growing up. Um, but I think it's just, then you meet them, you network, right? The story of our lives is we network and you just find that community and that community keeps me here. Um, and it keeps me wanting to bring people in. And for me, I, you know, I heard about the two consumer organizations. Um, once I, you know, got connected, I had joined different lists and such to meet people. And so became aware and I didn't kind of really give it thought. I was like, oh, these, they just keep like fighting. And I don't even know what the difference, of course, you know, just gross misperception, but I, I, you know, I'm sure some people from the outside, you know, may have them. And, um, and so just even through, you know, co- high school, college, grad school, I didn't really have uh, a thought to get involved. Um, when I, had gone to the technology center of uh, of our friends across the aisle uh, in oh probably like 2008 2009 when I was on vacation um, over there in Maryland and um, didn't quite uh, was not my my cup of tea some of the just the, the philosophy and such as I thought about it more and so didn't really give it a lot of thought and then when I had finished grad school and was really looking to connect and meet people um, really started to kind of look at the the two organizations and uh, decided that the, you know, collaborate, the uh, emphasis on collaboration and the, you know, democratic process. And just, I was looking at, you know, guide dogs were my entry. So I was looking at the content on the website related to guide dogs. And I was like, this is so much fun. These, you know, people are sharing their stories and I'm finding out about, you know, what's going on in the advocacy space, right? At that, that time, it was like, you know, taxi discrimination, which now we have in the form of red shirt discrimination. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, just uh, it, it made me excited and like I want to you know meet these people so I kind of just like you know dropped from the sky metaphorically you know just like joined one day and you know I didn't like no one even knew who I was and um I you know again in that quest to kind of get the transferable skills that the reason I remembered kind of what drew me was I was looking like I, when I wrote to the president of guide dog users of New York who didn't know me from anyone and was like hello this is me and here's why you know I'd like to join and such and um yeah what's really just kind of kept me going too yeah I think it is that that community and you know sharing and learning information I've learned so much from you know, other people that I've met in, in ACB. And it just kind of went from there. Like GDUI was my entry. And then I learned, you know, the uh, Blind Pride was doing some yoga events. And I was like, oh, it's the, you know, who are these people? And, um, and then, you know, someone found out that I had been a treasure and they were looking for a treasure. And so they asked me to do that. And then, you know, next gen, I saw in a forum article about, you know, Amanda's looking for people Amanda Selm, the president, looking, you know, to start a group of people who are 40 and under. And I was kind of like, well, I'm under 40. I'm intrigued. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, just one thing led to another and um, can resonate with what Mel was saying about just the different communities. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think word of mouth is just so important. It's, it's that experience, right? Like you can go out and outreach um, to wherever the university, the high school or whatever, and you can talk about it. But, um, you know, until you've had someone who's in that, you know, age bracket being able to say, here's what I got out of it. Here's the value proposition. Here's what you'll be able to do or learn or be in this organization that you wouldn't be able to or wouldn't be able to as easily on your own. Um, that really is, I think, the the most powerful way to get people in. And that's why, the, you know, the conventions and such, right? Like, I'm always excited, you know, the scholarship recipients we have and such. And so it's like, that's such a, you know, prime opportunity to get some younger people involved and then hopefully for them to, 
you know, share it such. So I really, I think the word of mouth is so important. Melissa. Thank you, Jeanette. Um, Good afternoon. This is Melissa here in Washington State. And I want to say, first of all, to the Women's Committee, this is my favorite part of convention. I love this um, Sister Power Happy Hour. And I hope that I hope one year I get to be a presenter because I think we all have a story. Each one of us has a story. And I know that I have my own uh, with struggles and challenges, but how I've overcome them. So I would love to do that in the future. But I want to thank both of you ladies for sharing your story and just for for being a blessing to me. And my question that I have for both of you is, what is it in life that motivates you? I know for me, it's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But what's the one thing that just motivates you and that keeps you going to do what you do every day? And again, thank you all so much. And thank you, Rachel, for having this uh, panel. God bless. Well, thank you, uh, Melissa, for your kind words and wish you uh, well as well on on your journey. Um, Yeah, you know, I think what motivates me, um, I guess just kind of what I really keep coming back to one one of the things because I have several is um, just the fact that all all these other, you know, my parents, just all these other people, what my parents, especially what they, you know, sacrificed and had that belief in me that I could you know, do something and be something. And um, that really has transferred over, you know, to me. And like, I, you know, I'm not here, we're, we're not here in this, you know, lifetime to just, you know, do nothing. And we're, we're here to, to contribute and to make it a better place and to, you know, add some light to the world. And as, you know, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, you said, you know, to be the change that we want to see. And so that is, um, that's, really just been uh, one of one of the motivating factors. Mine's very similar. It's, you know, people invested in me, and now it's my time to give back. Um, I think I'm inherently, I've always inherently taught. Um, And so when I learn, I want to give that back. How can I not just keep that knowledge for myself? Um, And how do I, what's the return on the investment? What's the ROI? <laughs> and that's the ROI for, for me. You know, the investment was everyone's energy and support and giving it the return is giving that back to the next person. Nora. Hi. Hi, Rachel. Thank you. And, and uh, for Melanie, um, it's so wonderful being a part of her organization with you, Melanie, as the president of her, of her chapter. P-A-G-C-B. And my question is, I'm sorry I missed your, I missed your presentation earlier a little bit, but uh, did your family, how did your family support you within the, within the blind, uh, as you were growing up as a blind person? Was your, was your family very supportive or, and things like that? Well, first, hi, sweetheart. <laughs> I'm waiting yeah. at you across the freeway. Thank <laughs> you, me too. <laughs> um, no, mom and dad were absolutely supportive. They they came at it from two perspectives. One was um, she has um, an impairment, and we're going to figure out how to problem solve that. And mm-hmm. the other was we're not going to, you know, we're going to teach her that that's not going to limit her in any way possible. Um, nice. So when there was something that was a limitation, it was, well, how do we figure it out? There was no quitting. Um, mom and dad were probably the only parents on this earth that at 18, when I was 18, they were like, bye, there was no, 
uh, what do you call it? Um, empty nest. They, they were because they had done enough to give me the wings to fly. Um, and that was their whole purpose was to be able to send me on my way and be there now. Just if I need them, great. I mean, we're family, but that was their goal. Thank you. And welcome. Thank you very much. And Maria, you're doing a great job. And I'm glad to hear and got to know you a little bit today. And I'd like to learn more about you more to, to more. And you did a great job. And both of you, you did a wonderful job on presentation. And I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Nora. Thanks, Nora. Donna, this was very interesting to listen to. I got to know both of you a little better. Um, Melanie, uh, I've, I've really... Um, enjoyed working with you in the past and look forward to continuing to look to work with you. I look forward to seeing you at the convention. Um, for both of you, I wanted to ask you, so um, in, in your adventures and growing up and becoming young women and moving forward in um, your leadership roles, how did you work through um, a negative, like, because we all run into negative attitudes. How did you run, how did you work out in your head um, these negative attitudes that people throw at us, telling us, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that? Um, is there anything particular you said to them? Did you just show them? What was it that you did to help you overcome these negative attitudes? And how did you go about it? Donna, that's a great question. Goodness gracious, lady. <laughs> um, I show them and I'll, I'll, give you an, I'll give you the perfect, well, it's not the perfect example because I wish I could have gone back. But when I got diagnosed, the doctor, right before, I, when I got the original diagnosis, the doctor put his hand on my mom's shoulder and said, mm, you're in for a hard road ahead. You should put her in a school. Well, that doesn't work. That That's, that's not an option. So... <laughs> That had been always in the back of my mind when mom was, when I was old enough to understand that. And mom told me that story. And it was one of those that like, when I got my college degree, I wanted to go back. This man was long gone by then, but I wanted to go back in this man's face and be like, look, here's my degree. Here's my career. Here's, here's my life. Like, who are you? And so I think it's just much for me, it's much easier just to show it. I don't need to sit here and brag about it and, and, you know, skywrite it and all that, you're, you're going to know, trust and believe you're going to know. <laughs> um, but I think it's really just showing, just showing that we've done it. Yeah. And I think in term, in addition to, because I've had instances too, where I've shown, for example, when I was going in for my job interviews, like I would be like this pack mule because I was bringing my laptop and my braille display. And, you know, I was actually showing how I used a computer so that they would actually believe me. Um, but, you know, some of this too is just people whose mind you cannot change or, you know, some people who you're walking down the street and such. And so part of it too is just that inner work of being able to step back and, and do some of that witnessing, like I was talking about and saying, you know, okay, some compassion for these people. They don't know any better. And, you know, realistically right now, if, if you're in a situation where you can't change it, you just say, well, I, I, you know, there's nothing I can really do about it. I, I was myself. I was, you know, they saw me traveling with my dog or, you know, whatever it was, I was being myself. And what the result of that, what they end up thinking about me is not in my control. Leslie. Thank you, Jeanette. 
Hey, Melanie and, and Maria, thank you so much for coming today and, and, you know, doing the Sister Power Happy Hour. We really appreciate it. What wonderful lives, great energy. I, I have met both of you. I, I admire both of you. So keep up your wonderful work and your energy. And I just look forward to many more years with you guys with ACB. Cheers to that, Thanks. Leslie. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. Marissa? Hello. Um, Melanie and uh, Maria, hello everyone. Um, I was, I had this, um, the pleasure of, of interacting with both of you um, outside of this call. And um, I also, in, um, I remember when um, you and I, uh, Melanie, walked at the, um, walked uh, through the exhibit hall at uh, last year's convention. And Maria, we haven't met in person yet, but um, we will we'll make it happen. Um, I have I loved listening to both of your stories, and it was very everything about it was inspirational. Um, I have a question for Maria. I was wondering, I know that you work as a financial analyst, but what does your company actually do? Because when I read, you know, uh, it says dormitory state authority of New York. When I think of dormitory, I think of, you know, the dorm at college. So I was wondering, you know, however much um, you're willing to share, what does your company over overall actually do? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. First of all, um, we absolutely have to meet and it's very, very cool to have someone else who is from uh, Bosnia and ACB as well. We've, we've had, uh, some fun conversations, some in English and some in not. So we look forward definitely to meeting you in person. Um, and good question. People do ask that. Um, yes. So it's called the dormitory authority because when it actually got started, uh, after World War II, it was to issue tax-exempt bonds for the construction of university dormitories. And that we do still do that, but that's such a small part of what we do now. So we issue tax-exempt bonds and the proceeds of those go toward construction of dorms, hospitals, um, you know, research labs the, for the state, for any, any number of things, state parks, libraries, courts, um, school buildings. We also do, um, you know, we manage uh, construction as well for some of the projects, especially on the state side. And um, we administer a lot of state grants and such as well. So we're actually pretty unique um, in the country that we kind of do all these things under one roof. And um, I'm in uh, finance, so focused. I get to use both my legal and business skills uh, because uh, since they're tax-exempt bonds, there are rules on how the money can be spent and how quickly and on what. And if you invest them, how much you can make those proceeds. Um, and so uh, I get to, uh, I learned a lot about uh, parts of the tax code that I knew nothing about prior to starting, um, but those transferable skills and applying them um and so uh and i've also lately gotten to uh to, to play being an attorney because uh we needed some uh they needed some help uh with with some real estate leases so again doing not something i've never done in my life but as i said it's all an adventure and uh and learning um and so so yes that is that is what dasney does and our last hand is donna brown Hello, ladies. Uh, the fabulous presentation. I'm looking forward to seeing you, you both in person. I assume you're going to be there, Maria. I have not met Maria, I don't think, yes, in I person. But we, we have communicated Maria um, so ably, fantastically bailed uh, or did a presentation kind of behind the scenes for a Burl Leadership. Uh, I just 
love the energy you two ladies bring to ACB, but not only the energy and, and the involvement and, and, and things like that, but the passion you have uh, to get involved in ACB uh, at various levels. I, I think that is so important, uh, the chapter, the state affiliate and, and special interest affiliates and national committees. I, I just think it's wonderful to have young people like you two uh, starting to you really get involved and you're our future. Thank you so much for your presentation, Melanie, bringing other people from West Virginia with me. So yes. to convention. So, Can't yes. wait. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, ladies. Thanks, Donna. Thanks, Donna. Yeah, I look forward to meeting you as well. And uh, yeah, thanks for the invite to do that presentation. That was fun. Even though I couldn't do it virtually and I had to be, you know, live. <laughs> Thank you so much for all the questions, everybody. I got one that is not ACB related. What is one thing that you guys, what the two ladies both have on your bucket list that you want to do for fun? You know, go, go for it, Mel. I hit oh go on Maria. You're fine. Oh. Go. Well, I was gonna say, especially since it was sabotaged by COVID, I would like to go to India. I was all ready to go. And as, as I mentioned, with um, you know, uh, identifying as Hindu and such, it was a place I wanted to go, and I was literally all set to go in 2020, and then uh COVID happened. So oh, I feel gosh. like now I'm just more determined. <laughs> um, so my, I've got two. Mine are hit all 50 states, and I'm at 36. Um, and like on the road, not just passing through in a in an airport. <laughs> and then my grandparents are from Sicily and from Germany. And I want to go literally because their homes are still there. I want to go like touch the wall. Like this is where like this is where I'm from. My great grandparents. So those are that was thwarted by COVID also, Maria. <laughs> wow, that is awesome. COVID just kind of took care of so much, didn't it? But uh, we're we're back and this is awesome well i want to again thank you both for an amazing presentation presentation i really do hope that i get an opportunity to come up and give both of you a hug at convention next week um thank you so much um as always this is such an inspiring session and um as Someone also agreed with me, too, that it's one of my favorite parts of convention and one of my favorite parts of being on the Women's Committee. You know, we as ACB women need to lift each other up and encourage each other. And, you know, this is a great opportunity to do that. So thank you again very, very much. Um, before we finish off here, I'd like to give one of our co-chairs a minute just to talk a little bit about uh, we have one presentation uh, that is uh, sponsored by the ACB women and uh, Lori if you are up for talking about that for just a second yes we have one more event uh, this coming Saturday the first and I can't remember off the top of my head if it's 11 or 11 30 a.m um, but it's central time and Pam Shaw will be presenting and it will be um, hybrid. So you'll be able to participate if you're in Schomburg or if you're uh, virtual. And she will be um, present co-presenting and um, 
it's about compassion fatigue and how, um, you know, some ways to cope with different aspects of dealing with situations that may cause us as women compassion fatigue. So I just want to thank everybody and again, thank our fabulous presenters and our Zoom hosts and streamer and have a great week, everybody. Take care. <laughs>